1: Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Jim Haney, Executive Director. I want to welcome you to to tuning in to another episode of Recovery Talks. Uh, This is uh, May Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're talking about mental health uh, challenges and mental health recovery all month, and uh, today I have one of our uh, staffers, Beth Ayers, she's the family support lead, and she's also, and this is what we're really going to be talking mostly about, is her experience of being a family member with a a child with uh, behavioral health challenges, and we thought that's kind of where we would focus, Um, so Beth, uh, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, so Mental Health Awareness Month, and we were all sort of brainstorming, what do we wanna cover you know, for the weekly podcasts? And, and I think this is a really good one. I think one for our organization, for the family division, but also this is something you're passionate about, talking about your experience and the challenges you found uh, with being a mom challenges within the system, the school system. Yeah. And I think this is just, this is a good one because we've done other podcasts kind of talking about family support. And so this one we said, we're just going to zero in here. So again, want to say thanks. I think this is a good topic and uh, many of our listeners will probably be able to relate. Mm -hmm. So Let's just start right at the beginning. I mean, what was it like, you know, when your child began having mental health challenges? What was that like as a mom?
0: As a mom, I felt afraid. I felt like I didn't know what to do or how to handle that. Had it been a physical health issue, I would have known exactly what to do to go to the doctor, go to the hospital. But when it came to mental health, I really did not know who to turn to or where to get her help. Uh, So it began um, when she was 13 and we ended up reaching out to a counselor that she has seen. And he had recommended that we go to the um, emergency room to have her um, evaluated.
1: And what kind of challenges, what was what was sort of happening? What was what was happening right then?
0: There was some depression and anxiety, but what really kind of um kicked it off was she was harming herself. Mm. And that and we okay. found that out. And then some of the teachers at our school were concerned also.
1: So thus the emergency room.
0: Yeah, yeah we attempted to talk to her first in a counseling session, but that' Uh, didn't seem to get to the bottom of it Uh, and so then we went to the ER but I can remember when the counselor suggested going to the ER to have psychiatric evaluation I, um, I was not comfortable with it I was afraid I didn't want to be making a bigger problem out of this than it was and yet had it been a broken arm or a sprained ankle or anything like that, I would not have had that hesitancy to take her in. Sure,
1: sure.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't have, I also didn't really know who to turn to, to talk to about it, to get support or advice or help either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anyone that had a child that had been
1: through this before. And did the counselor suggest anybody? Did the counselor, besides going to the ER, I mean, did they suggest anybody or?
0: No, that was kind of the first um, step was to go to the ER and have an evaluation done. Mm -hmm. Also, I remember from that hospitalization, that first hospitalization, we were connected to a counselor for anxiety and depression. We were connected to a psychiatrist had we not gone through the hospital, I would not have known her to, to turn to, nor would we have gotten the appointments as quickly as we had either. So that is a lot of part of the challenge with the mental health is finding somebody who has the um, availability for psychiatry or counseling.
1: Right, because in Montana we have a workforce shortage in healthcare, and we don't have enough, um, particularly psychiatrists, psychologists, we don't have enough in the state, and the waits can often be long. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. I also think that with the mental health challenges, I blamed myself, and I looked at you know what did I do wrong what could I have done differently how did we get to this place Mm -hmm. not really understanding that it isn't anything that I do or didn't do it was Mm -hmm. you know it it was a health issue Mm
1: -hmm. and so and so that's that was your own challenge going on at the same time was if my daughter was climbing in a tree and fell out of the tree and said her arm hurt you know then and I say, hey, you know, our daughter's arm hurts. We go to the emergency room and we get the arm looked at, get x-rays, see a doctor, you know, kind of the usual things we're, we're used to. But now we're talking about self-harm, we're talking about depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. and now that's a little bit different. <clears throat> You're having your own questions of your own self, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And how was it when you went to the hospital? I mean, uh, did they then lead you towards supports or, um, you know, education or knowledge or, you know?
0: Yeah, the first time we were at the hospital, uh, thankfully our counselor came with us, the counselor that we had reached out to, Mm -hmm. because I think at that point, emotionally, I was not able to hear anything. I wasn't able to understand what the process was or how this worked. We were left alone a lot.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So it was, again, just really questioning what should we do? How should we handle this? Mm -hmm. Not wanting to make it worse or not wanting to Uh, basically just not looking at it as this is a health issue and we need to treat it medically Mm
1: -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. and that if it were like you said a broken arm I probably wouldn't question what the doctor wanted to do or what the procedure was or what the process was Um, I would be very comfortable in that and in this situation I was not comfortable and I really didn't understand at all the process or how it worked Um, Mm -hmm. like I said, there was a lot of waiting around, um, Mm -hmm. someone would come in and either treat her or talk to her and then they would leave and they would never come back. Then somebody else would come in because they had changed. When you go into the hospital, you first have to be cleared medically and then Mm -hmm. the psychiatric team comes Mm -hmm. in, Mm -hmm. but I didn't understand that. So here we see a doctor and then the doctor leaves and never comes back. And then some new people come in and just not understanding, um, yeah, what was happening, not knowing what to do. And then she did end up getting admitted to the hospital, to the psychiatric center. And we went home without anything. We didn't have any resources, we didn't mm. know where to go for help. The subsequent times that she was hospitalized, they had some. Groceries for us, which was really helpful. But that first time, we didn't receive anything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's, I can remember her wanting her friends to give her a call or her being able to call her friends or for them to come see Mm -hmm. her. And I'm sure the friends' family had the same concerns that I had. And so she wasn't visited or she didn't get to talk to any of her friends while she was in there. Mm -hmm. Which was hard because had she had a broken arm or had she been across the street in the hospital, Mm -hmm. you know, people would have come seen her and
1: Right. They come and sign your cast and to give you flowers and balloons and how you doing and yeah, try to exactly try to be humorous and cheer you up and give you hugs and yeah. Now was that a short term stay or did she stay there longer? Long term.
0: This is a short term, probably two or three, uh, two or three days.
1: Mm-hmm. Who did you turn to while that was going on? Did you?
0: We didn't. I called a couple close friends, and I told my folks, but that was about it. We really didn't turn to anybody. We um, were afraid of maybe what they would think. You know, behavioral health tends to be looked at as contagious or like, you know, that's, that's the friend that's always going to get into trouble. And we don't want our kids with that person, mm. you know, because their behavioral health mm. challenge is going to rub off on them. Mm-hmm. We really didn't tell anybody. And I was also just very, at that time, too, just really judging myself that I obviously didn't do things right. I obviously was not a good parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have this child who's in the psychiatric center, um, just a lot of, yeah, a lot of embarrassment and a lot of judgment Mm -hmm. and who knows i might have reached out to everybody and they might have not handled it that way but i was very afraid that they would have
1: yeah it was your own it was your own stigma your own your own judgment on yourself which is is common especially i think especially you know my own experience and my own family's experience i mean i think that um education is key in the beginning it's educating people and so who who did you so as time went on where where did you find that where were you able to find some of that
0: yeah we found definitely support through a support group NAMI has family support group and then they also have a family family class which really helped educate us into exactly what mental illness was Um, again just reiterating that it is a physical illness and that it wasn't choices it wasn't that my daughter was making you know poor choices it was she had a mental illness that was you know physical and was affecting that Um, it also helped us see it from her perspective see just how hard it is sometimes to have a mental health challenge and how, again, things that we would see from the outside as a choice for her really weren't choices. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the, you know, it was because of her mental illness. And so um, that class gave us a group of people that could relate to us. Um, and just, yeah, really that education on what is mental illness was so helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. So she was, you said she was about 13 when this. She's
0: thir- yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so this went on. Did this continue? Was there this cycling of in and out of the hospital and counselors? Yeah. And-
0: it, yes, it did. And it, um, there was three acute hospital stays. Uh, We did a partial hospitalization program um, because high school was getting hard. And then we did end up doing a six-month inpatient um, treatment facility, residential treatment facility. And it wasn't until that treatment facility that my husband and I took the family to family class. So we had been You know, we had been dealing with this for a good three years, two, two and a half years before we really had the education that um, helped that we really needed. I always say that my experience with the professionals and the hospitals and just the behavioral health system in general was that I always felt like I was one step, one step behind. Like I always felt like I didn't learn the lesson until after I needed the knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. That was really hard.
1: So we've talked a little about this. The physical challenge is, if it was a physical challenge, and was there a point when that sort of clicked in? You know, like you're saying, you learned it after, but it's not really after because your daughter's still <laughs> still yeah. growing up. And but you mean after the incidences? the the critical incidents but was there a point you took the class that was helpful and then did that start helping like put pieces together like
0: Mm -hmm. I think all along the process as you as we dealt with psychiatrists or we dealt with counselors or we you know learned about depression or anxiety or how we could help at home I mean I think it was a gradual learning process um I do think that we um kind of going back to the support and the awareness uh, we really just didn't know how it was affecting everyone and so there was a lot of um, self-care that didn't happen like, again, because we didn't want to invade our child's privacy by telling people, you know, we didn't ask for prayers at church, people didn't bring over casseroles, you know, when she was in the hospital. Um, There just really wasn't that support um, that had it been something else that we were comfortable sharing. And so from that, a friend of mine that was in the family family class we ended up starting a mental health friends network at our church because we just didn't want people to feel like they had to hide it and we wanted to again you know give that um, education that it isn't a choice it's not just poor behavior and um one of the one of the instances that happened that just made me want to open up more and share our story more was that. I was in a a church class and there was another couple in it and we didn't find out till afterwards that our children had been in the psychiatric center at the exact same time. And I thought that is ridiculous that there are people wow. there that are going through the same thing that could support each other and we don't know because we're not talking about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 the stigma that exists around mental health challenges then there's the self stigma guilt and shame and and also the systems the systems not connecting not connecting the dots right and not not helping people one family connect with another family Instead, they look at it as a transactional sort of thing and process one child, process another child, not realizing, well, there's two families there that could be yeah. connected together, Yeah. Do you think that, let's say when uh, your daughter was you know, 13, I mean, how do you think things might've been different if there was a family supporter there who, who got connected with you? I mean, how do you think that would have changed back then?
0: It would have been incredible. Number one, I would have, like I said, known things when I needed to know them and not learned them after the fact. Mm -hmm. It would have made it not so isolating. And I think it would have helped me deal with the grief. I think anytime our children are affected by anything and their life just isn't kind of going how we had always planned in our heads. Um, it's hard. And so there's a, you know, part of you that really needs to accept, you know, that things aren't how you thought they would be and that that's, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think that grief would have, um, that ex- that acceptance would have probably happened a lot sooner mm-hmm. to having somebody there that, and just somebody to remind me, I think as parents, at least for myself, I would get so frustrated with my daughter and her behavior and really forget that there's this underlying medical issue and so Mm -hmm. really having people in my life that could say hey it's not about you it's not about her poor choices Mm -hmm. you know this you know her health and her illness um would have yeah would have helped kind of you know yeah keep me yeah keep me focused on what you know the challenge really was
1: yeah yeah and and Today, this is years later. Now, mm-hmm. this is what a decade, what, about a yeah. decade, decade yep. later. Decade later. Y- your your daughter's doing 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 really well. I she's mean, doing great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lives out on her own, and and she's succeeding and living her own life, and you know, right, and making her choices. And I think that's important for us to talk, talk about here, because I think my experience as a peer supporter, there's in my dealing with family members, there tends to be this, you know, there's this protracted time of this cycling that's going on, and, and sometimes they don't get to see the child grow up and start living their life, right? And mm-hmm. there's different reasons why those things happen, but that can and does happen, and And people can um, lead their own life even though they have a severe mental illness and make their own choices and doesn't mean they're cured and doesn't mean it goes away could be future hospitalizations down the road, or, or maybe not. right? Right and, and, and I think that's really important. You know, I myself was somebody who, you know, in my 20s had three hospitalizations, two close together, then one a couple years later, and, but I haven't had any since, and, you know, you, you learn more tools, and you grow, and life keeps moving on.
0: Yeah, the tools part, I was very thankful that, at least in my home with my husband and our kids, that counseling was not um, something that we just didn't do, or you know, airing our problems on the outside. We just didn't do. We were very open to counseling and psychiatric help, and really looked at it like any other sort of counseling or, you know, professional help, medical help. Um, and so I'm really thankful that we were open to getting her the help that she did need because yeah, that gave her the tools to continue on her own. You know, Mm -hmm. she knew that it was okay to go see a counselor. She knew it was okay to go Mm -hmm. see a psychiatrist. She knew Mm -hmm. all of these tools that she had. Um, Whereas I know some families, it's hard to handle it and to really talk about it out loud. And then sometimes that support isn't incorporated. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. then the child's kind of figuring it out as they go. But I was very thankful that, um, and I was also really thankful for the counselors who encouraged us to do counseling as a whole family, including our um, children, our other child. Mm -hmm. I think we try to protect our children so much. And, don't want to bring them into the problems and yet mental illness affects everybody in the home everybody in mm-hmm. you know, in family and mm-hmm. he was fairly young when all of this was happening and so really I appreciated being open with him talking with him and I hope that he grows up thinking of the psychiatric hospital like any other hospital
1: mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's great yeah, I think family inclusion is really important. and because um, everybody's impacted. I mean, that obviously, for your son, that's that's his sibling, that's his sister. And so there's an impact there too. So,
0: yeah, and we all can play a part in the recovery process or the healing process or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the health journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah absolutely and like you pointed out too i mean a lot of this stuff was just my own stuff too that i had to work through Mm -hmm. um it wasn't just all about her
1: right right (laughs) exactly exactly yeah well i i appreciate your openness and uh you know your vulnerability and in talking about this and i think it's really important beth and uh, the work you're doing today as a family supporter, you know, you're taking that lived experience and now applying it. and you know, being the person you didn't have, you know, you get to be that person. And that's really powerful, you know um, You know, if we want to see real change in the world, we can't just identify the problems and point our fingers. We have to go do it and you know, do what we can to change the system or offer in this case, support to people. And just knowing that somebody else is there, that goes a long ways that somebody else has experienced it and just somebody to talk to. So yeah, um, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's great what, you, what you're doing with the family support division and uh, and then at the children's clinic providing family support. I think it's, it's vital.
0: Yeah, there's something nice and I'm sure everybody has something that they can relate to this but it's nice when you just have to say a little bit about what's going on and the other person just gets it you don't have to Mm -hmm. tell the whole backstory you don't have to tell all the things you've been through you just have to say a few things and you that other person just knows exactly where you're at and that i think everyone is so helpful
1: yeah for sure yeah Mm -hmm. well for our listener um I want to uh, draw your attention to Mental Health Awareness Month and uh, one of the wonderful places that you can go for lots of great information about mental health is uh, SAMHSA.gov and backslash Mental Health Awareness Month and they have um, banners you can download, you can put on your social media page to help raise awareness. There's resources on here, like the, the new crisis number, uh, 988, if you need somebody to talk to. Um, there's also Mental Health Awareness Toolkit, how you can promote mental health awareness, uh, either in your community, even just in your family, having a discussion about it. And then they also have listed a bunch of uh, events that go on throughout the month of May, pretty much each week, They're having different events uh, and these are virtual events that you can participate in. Uh, There's treatment resources, um, resources for families coping with mental health, behavioral health equity, uh, mental health myths and facts, and then just talking about mental health and how do we have those conversations. So again, for you, the listener, this is SAMHSA.gov Mental Health Awareness Month. It's a great website. They do a really good job every year and uh i want to say thanks for tuning in and thank you to you beth for um being vulnerable and coming on
0: i would also add that the national federation families has who and banners and things on their site and the week of the 7th through the 13th is actually mental children's mental health acceptance week moving beyond yeah. awareness to acceptance so nice
1: Family. very nice Excellent. Yep. Well, thank you Beth and thank you to our listeners. Until next time, this is Jim Haney in Recovery Talks. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Uh-huh. Recovery works and recovery is possible.
0: Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. <laughs> recovery, and recovery is possible.
1: Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible.
0: Recovery works and recovery is possible.